When I go to sleep, I dream. When I wake up, I'm ready to achieve and work on those dreams. So that's how dreams and goals are. You want something bad enough where it's life-changing, you'll do it. Hi, and welcome to An Unknown Adventure. I'm your host, Kimberly Ann. Each week, I'll either be talking to you or interviewing someone about one or more of three exciting topics, achieving your dreams, no matter how old, young, or infirm you are, minimalism, and unconventional travel. Thank you for being here, and I hope you enjoy the show. This is AUA podcast number 14, and here's my quick van life update before we get into this week's interview. I still don't have my van. Nissan still has it. For those of you who don't know, I bought it on October 3rd, and Nissan has dropped the ball every single step of the way. Who thought buying a used van from the dealership would be such a huge pain? Not me. Every week, they tell me it'll be another week. This has been going on for four months. I really wish I was making this up, but I'm not. On a positive note... I did pick out flooring from Lowe's since I refused to shop at Home Depot. The flooring is on back order, but it should be there in about a week. And right now I'm looking at paint. I'm trying to decide which shade of blue to use in just a couple places. I'm one of those people who really likes light colors. I like white walls and light flooring and a light colored kitchen countertop. I think it adds the illusion of more space, but more than that, to me, it looks really clean and it helps keep my mind clear. My other update is that I got the COVID vaccine this week. I am a healthcare practitioner and I was part of the first tier. So no side effects from the first dose other than a slightly sore arm. And now on to the interview. Today, I talk to an inspirational phenomenon. Eric Patrick Thomas, who talks about his dreams, passions, and enormous achievements. I am so honored to have met him. He truly is an inspiration. My name is Eric Patrick Thomas. I live in Michigan. A lot of times people call me Mr. Inspire. I have an Inspire brand, so I guess that's where it all comes from. Or It's not where somebody somebody started saying, hey, Mr. Inspire, hey, Mr. Inspire, so. That wasn't how the brand started, but that's how somehow the name also incorporated with it also. I like that. And you're wearing an Inspire t-shirt and an Inspire hat. I always wear my brand. Like people call me a cartoon character because if you see me every single day, I usually have a black t-shirt on with the white Inspire. Like they're like, it's just like, like how you watch a cartoon, even though there's more, there's, there's like four or five shirts in the closet of the same, you know, so they're clean, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah and how did the brand come about the brand came about you know as a child a dream I was one of my own clothing line even back as elementary I think just because you know I I don't really know where that was inspired by like why did I say I want that I think it was just something that was inside me that said I like that or it was just there was nothing that said you know you want to do this it just said you are going to do this I guess you would say within and it happened years, years later. 2011 is when I opened up the business, Easy Awareness by Design, which stands for Eric is the uh, Bring Awareness by Design. And basically, it was going to be just a t-shirt business. 
but it started turning into signs and banners and marketing materials and so on. And then uh, I also do speaking. Like I speak at schools or juvenile facilities, wherever. I speak everywhere. I tell my story about what happened to me and stuff. So we started making the shirts that say inspire because a lot of times when I was everywhere, people would always just be like, oh, that inspire, that's inspire or something. They would just use that word. So that word was always carried around with me. And then so I just started wearing it on a shirt. And then I started wearing it when I went to speak. Then we started seeing the, when I say we, it's usually like Jesse and I, Jesse's my graphic design artist, my assistant. So if you hear we, that means like it's always us because it's always it's always us, you know, when we go somewhere with, you know, because I'm with her five days a week. So we just started seeing the effects that it had on the kids. Like they wanted to be better, creative, or they wanted to be their best. It was like a breath of fresh air, like a supercharge to them, like a, just like a boost. And I was like, well, we got to make this public. We, we just, so we couldn't just do it, keep it on, the, on me. We got to like, we just got to do it. It just, it just happened, I guess. That's all the way I can say is it just happened. There were certain things in life that triggered, but it just, it just, it's like, it's already written. That's great. You know, like it's all, it was already destined. Mm -hmm. And I just was, it it, it just, I I caught up with the destiny of it. Inspire was there exactly how it was. It's just finally my lifespan caught up with it when it was ready. I guess that's the way to say it because it's not something that I forced or something that was, it, it just happened. Like it, it was hard work. No, you know, nothing's easy. You know, it's challenging and hard work. But it was like it was waiting there. It was already was like in the race. You know, like I, I was the the turtle. You know, and there was the hair. I was like, all right. And I finally caught up with. It. I was like, okay, it's fire. Here we go. Just like I've been waiting for you for like ten years, man. You know, so and um and it's and now it's now it's just grown everywhere. You know, it started like almost like I say like a seed, and then it grows a tree, and then it grows these branches, and it grows these leaves and these flowers, or, you know, and every person that supports it or wears it, that's where it grows new branches. Yeah, but it still stays on its same positive mission. You know, it still empowers people. It still brings out the creative best in the person. They want to be their best, and that's the best thing about it. It still stays on the direction. You know, it takes different branches, but it still stays on the direction. It's awesome. Yeah, that sounds that. Yeah, that is awesome. So can you tell us your story? Yeah, well, I mean, I could tell you, like, I know you can see me and, you know, I'm I'm sitting in a, a power wheelchair with a straw in front of my face, which that's how I control the wheelchair. You know, I, I control the chair by puff, hard puff forward, hard sit backwards, soft puff right, soft sit left. But the way that I actually ended up using the wheelchair was 23 years ago, um, a hip hop artist. So my hip hop group called Miscellaneous, we were celebrating our album release music project, you know, celebration party at our house. We all lived in the same house and I was inside the house and I went outside to check the parking lot just to make sure everything was going good. You know, people weren't in my neighbor's yard, just making sure everything was cool. I was coming back to the house. So I was just about to go in and I was at the steps and talking to my girlfriend at that time. Then someone came around the DJ van, pulled the gun, open fired, pow, 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 pow. And that's when I got hit with the bullet in my neck. Wow. I got hit right in the third third and fourth vertebrae. So they shot me from the backside. And then there's another piece of skin on the back of my head that's like grazed. So it looks like maybe one could have spun, you know, like grazed my skull. And honestly, I fell to the ground, losing everything. Lost the ability to breathe, to speak, to, to yell, to move, everything. So I was on the cement, looking over the dark sky. I remember it was also raining to a September September 20th. That's why it's called 
in one of the songs that says cold and rainy night. And uh, then there was chaos, just, you know, people running, streaming and saving themselves. Some people stuck around in to help, but most people were like, I got to get out of here. You know, we're, we're what, between 18 and 21 or, you know, somewhere in that party, underage drinking, you know, it's such and such. So it's all the recipes that you could possibly put together. You, you know, it's, 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 it's a recipe for disaster sometimes. When you really look at it, when you look at everything that we added up, it's like, okay, something could happen. So that's how that happened. Before you know it, I was waking up in the hospital. They put four screws in my head. So two on the front, two on the side, tubes down my throat because they had to intubate me because I couldn't, I wasn't able to breathe. And then waking up in the morning and my mom, stepdad and dad and stepmom, medical staff and some friends. And of course, that's where they tell you the story all over again. Instantly, your mind's like, why? Like, what happened? What did I do? Or who was it? And more questions, actually, are racing through your head faster than you can even think about the thought. And then, of course, then you try to move. And then you're like, okay, what's really happening here? Like, you you don't know it's permanent or it could be permanent or what the circumstances are because you just don't know. And right now, it's survival. So survival is on your mind. Like, I want to survive. I got goals and dreams. I feel unfinished. I feel like I need to do more in this world. And that's how it felt. So no matter the challenges, let's let's keep keep pushing. Let's survive. So that was kind of the main focus was survival. That was, you know, that's what it was. Eventually they took the tubes out because they knew that I was gonna not be able to breathe on my own. So they said people in the medical field that were there, and then they gave me a tracheotomy. So they cut your throat and they put the tubes in your throat. So I got screws in my head, I got this cage around me called a halo. I'm not unable to move my head, you know, left or right or anything. All I can do is move my eyes. I'm communicating with eye blinks. And then with the tubes, when they put the trach in, then I communicated with tongue clicks. And that was my form of communication. And then I finally was able to eat food, you know, and so on. And then once you start to get a little more stable, they start kind of the rehab process at the hospital. And then you learn that you have to go to rehab. You're like, what's rehab? What's this? I only heard about rehab from people that are addicted to drugs or alcohol or something. You know, you're like rehab. So you learn a whole different terminology for rehab which just means rehabilitation, you know? And so trying to, there's no answers to any of this. There's no book to any of this. So you're just, you take it day by day. Actually, you take it hour by hour, you know? Mm -hmm. You really do. And how long was your rehab? Well, I left the hospital October 29th, 97, and I came home March 20th of 98. So that's what, five months, maybe? Total six months hospital rehab. But I think the rehab part is about five months. So, and that I end up going out to Inglewood, Colorado. It's called Craig Hospital. It's like rehab boot camp. As soon as I got out there, the respiratory therapist turned the ventilator off. Time to breathe for 30 seconds on your own, Eric. There you go. Cold turkey. That's it. Yep. They put an oximeter on you so you can see your O2 levels. And that was good because that's like biofeedback. I learned that, you know, because it's like, how do you know if you're breathing? What do you do? You turn it off. I don't know if I'm breathing. Am I breathing? Am I not breathing? How am I going to tell? So that gave me some biofeedback, let me know you are doing something. And then they turn it back on, they come back and they say, okay, I'll see you later on. And they do it three times a day in 30, 30 second increments. That's what they did then. I don't know what they do now. They might even have a whole different strategy, but they call that weaning off the ventilator. In some days you could go hours and some days you could not. So you're taking, sometimes I could take 30 steps forward, 20 steps backward, or, you know, 40 steps backwards. So it's, you just have to stay on that goal. So first goal was survival. That was the goal, you know, and then once I got to rehab, second goal, breathing in, 
breathe on my own without any type of machine. So that was the main goal. The main goal being at rehab was not to move again. I just needed to breathe again. I just wanted to breathe. I really didn't think about like the time that I thought about the arms and legs and moving that stuff is when everybody else brought it up to me. I was struggling to breathe. Like it is no fun. It's not a, no joy to be able to get a tube stuck in your all the time because when your your secretions, you have fluid in your lungs. And then what happens is your lungs, then the, the, the tube, the trachea starts to clog up and then the respiratory therapist has to come in and they have to put like this saline solution on this straw and then put this catheter thing down into the trach and then it sucks the, the, the secretions out. Now, this is not like, like the way I speak it, it doesn't happen that way. They're there for a long time sometimes because it's thick secretions. So you're there, you're like, you know, and it's sucking it up and you're like, this is not in your tear, your eyes are watering. It's yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. Painful. It's beyond painful. It's, it's, it's another, I don't know. They have painful and they have numb. I think it's a numbing beyond pain of numb. It's like a, a whole new category of pain because it's not like where you stub your toe or you, you know, you jam your finger or you get trip over something. It's, it's, it's something totally different. And, and it's every day. And it's not this one time a day. And it's a process. And it's done working with you nonstop that you finally just get stronger and stronger and stronger. And then eventually, two weeks before, two and a half weeks or so around there, before I was coming home March 20th, I was able to wean off the vent completely. So I went home without the ventilator. Goal achieved. Goal achieved. Wow. That's the goal. Right. I was going to say that's the goal. Yeah. And I, I guess it's also a dream because you... When you dream something, then you make a goal to achieve the dream, you know, or I guess sometimes you make like actionable goals to achieve the dream that you've set up. And then did you find you had to manage other people's issues as well as your own? Uh, like in like what they were dealing with and their expectations. Yeah. Like, well, it seems like I became a magnet uh, or like maybe it's because of what I was dealing with or the challenges and the disability. Then other people that were dealing with that same thing all of a sudden to show up and then I become an advocate, but then I become a voice for the people that are voiceless. And then I become a mentor and it just all it's, it's, I went from one stage to the other stage at that time. I went on the stage of performing hip hop music and, and into an audience that's there to listen to music and wordplay to a different stage to the quality of life of a person, you know, finding the resources, empowering them, helping them figure out how to find caregivers, you know, accessible transportation, you know, how to fundraise, all these different things that now as that I'm doing, you know, when I came home, I also became like a CEO of my life because when I got um, connected with the disability network, they set it up where I was able to hire my own staff to care for me. And then I trained the staff how I want things taken care of, you know, can you get everything the way that you want it? Not going to happen. You have to learn. You have to learn, not saying to choose your battles, but there's some compromising, but don't go below your standards, you know, like still stick to what it is, but you're around five or six people throughout the day that are providing care for you. You just have to eventually figure out the two-way street, even though you're the boss, because if not, you're not going to have anybody <laughs> and you're going to have a lot of changeover, you know, or turnover. And uh, you don't need that because you could not be alone. You know what I mean? I'm not even able to itch my face. Like if I, my face itches right now talking to you, I got to call for my caregiver. I'm not, I, I could blow air at it, like, you know, with my nose, I've learned that, but no, no moving the arms, no moving the hands, legs, the fingers, or the, the 
toes, the feet, none of it. Just my breath, my nose, my eyes, my ears, my head, my, you know, yeah. 23 years later, here we are. 23 years. And it just goes by like that, right? Like quickly. In one way, I was thinking about that earlier. Here I am, I'm 43 now. 43 and I'm 23 years into this. I was, I remember when I got to the 20 marker, 20 years, you know, before injury and 20 years after injury. Now it's like three years later again. It's like, wow, it goes fast. You know, life goes fast. That's why you have to live the life of like what you want to do, your goals, your dreams. Don't let anything stop you and don't limitate yourself. Don't put any limitation. You know, whatever you wanted to do, do not regret it. Like don't have regrets. Don't say what it should have could have when you're older. You know, just just do it. As long as it's not gonna harm anybody. You know, it's you know, it's in safe and it's positive, you know. Just do it. Like you want to take that vacation? I mean it well, obviously right now, but be smart also. But when before this, you know, like just just do it. And if you're like, well, I don't have the money to how to do it, how then find the how. How are you gonna do it? How are you gonna travel? If you don't have the money, obviously that's a very big point of it, all these a lot of times. Finance, you know, the, the, the cost. Okay, so raise the money. How are you going to raise the money? What are you going to do? Or how are you going to save money? Or how are you going to, you know, go online, find a, a discount? Or, you know, tell the family, tell friends and family, say, look, I'd love to take a trip. I'm not able to afford it. Is there any way you can help me out? You know, any of that stuff. Maybe there's in-kind sponsorship. Maybe somebody has travel points, you know. Always find the how. That's what I do. I've always found the how. The how has got me by. The how is my survival. Because when you get shot, there's no, like, any insurance thing, you know, like there's no like people you sue, you know, of the, you know, I know when people see people in wheelchairs, a lot of times they think they got money or they got a lawsuit or because, and then they watch the, they watch these movies. A lot of these movies got rich old men and they got everything in this house. Everything's accessible, all these accessible things, all these caregivers. And that's not reality. That's not reality. But unfortunately that's the narrative that's be that's always kind of like pictured. So it's like, and I have to always explain it. Like, or they see a person that uses a wheelchair and then they just get up and they walk away. Well, they got up and they did it. You're just not trying hard enough, Eric. Oh, oh I'm trying. It's like, you know, sometimes it discredits all the stuff that you're doing. No, nope. it's like, especially being a business owner, sometimes they patronize me, you know, pat me on my back. Good job, Eric. Good job. Like, don't treat it like I'm just there. You know, I feel like it, my emotions at that time Take me back to like when I used to like, like do finger painting and cutouts in, in kindergarten when they do that to me. Like, no, I work every day hard at this. Like, treat me like that. Treat me like I, I fail. Treat me like I succeed. Treat me like, you know, treat me like a business owner that really is doing hard work. Or even if the sales aren't good. Okay. I understand that. I'm truthful, but I'm up every day, up every day, five in the morning. What? Or on the weekdays. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When I go to sleep, I dream. When I wake up, I'm ready to achieve and work on those dreams. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I hope I always am like that. Yeah. I just, I think a lot of people don't know how to react or treat people that are different or people with disabilities. And we're not really taught that as a society. Like that's not taught in school and it should be. It should be. You're you're definitely 100% correct. It should be because then it won't be so, you won't even be able to point it out. You know, if you go somewhere and you say, yeah, there was a person used to the wheelchair, you know, they would talk about the person first. They would just be like, man, this one guy, he was pretty cool. They wouldn't look at, they wouldn't notice the chair and talk about the chair and then that. They'd be like, man, I met this person. They, would, they may not even ever even mention that. And then the person, 
maybe they became friends and they're like, oh, I want you to meet this guy. He's really cool. And then the guy, and then they meet each other like, oh, whoa, 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 wait, you never told me you was, you was at a chair. But the person's like, oh, I never knew it mattered, you know? Yeah. Why does that matter? Yeah. Right. But there is on another half though, in with people with disabilities, there are people that don't want person first language. They want to be known with the chair first or the crutches or whatever it is first. Yeah. So that's another thing. So we have our own disagreements within each other. You know, one is saying, yeah, it's person first language. The other person is like, no, no person first language. I want to be known as a quad and this and this. And I'm like, okay, me, I'd rather have them say, you know, my friend Eric, you know, he has a company or, you know, he uses a power wheelchair by a straw and he drives it with his breath. That's me though. But everybody's not like that. So. Right. No, it's true. I had a I had a really, really, really close friend in a chair and he was a comedian and I just knew him as I mean, I knew him not as the comedian. I knew him as the person. But when anybody would refer to him, they would refer to him as Stu the comedian because that was his kind of, you know, his face. And he did he did stand up, sit down comedy. That's what he called it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was so funny. He was hysterical and was an amazing, I mean, just in every way. Just so does he have any YouTube videos? No, he passed away when he was like 26. Oh. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. I mean, he had like a, you know, he was a thalidomide baby, so they don't live long. Oh yeah. He probably lived a lot longer than they said, right? Yeah. Probably through comedy. Yep. Yeah, laughter is so so powerful. So powerful. Yeah. It heals people. It's so crazy. It is. That's why I think they they're they have like on go on YouTube and just listen to like babies laugh. And baby laughter is like really it's like even better. Yeah, no. It's something with us though. I guess it's our you know how we connect. Takes us back to our innocence, you know? So when we're babies, we don't know any difference. We don't know that this world is the way it is. We're just looking at it like, uh, I want food or you know, those words are cool. I'm learning my, my, my words. Oh, I can, yeah, I can cry and I get attention or I, yeah, very simple thing, but it's very innocent, you know? Yep. And happy, you know, they're all, we're all happy. Yeah, it's true. So do you want to talk about the traveling? Oh yeah. I could tell you a really good story on travel. I could tell you multiple stories, but this, this one, because it's got all like three or four different ones of accessible travel or my challenges or barriers. I went out to LA, I went out to Shark Tank back in 2015. My friend, Damon John. Oh, cool. He contacted me and said, hey man, he, already, he found out I didn't take a vacation since my injury. So he was like, I'm, he was like I want you to come out to, to LA and you know, come on the set of Shark Tank, I'll take you around and be my guest out there. So it's like, all right, cool. So he's like, get a hold of my assistant. So I got a hold of his assistant and she's like, yeah, he wants you out there in six days, this Sunday. I was like, okay. I was thinking he might have was taking a couple months. Give me some pre- some preparedness. Nah, Damon kicked my butt, man. He kicked my butt in gear to like figure everything out in very little time. I basically shut everything out. And that was the focus, like tunnel vision. So I contacted my friend. She's a little person. And she's also on the tri- the board for like air, air flight or travel board. For, she represents people with disabilities. So she got me in touch with someone at Detroit for that handles that department. Uh, and so then from talking to her, I booked my flight with Delta and it was really cool because at the communication level with that, we were able to have people there. They do that. I need to be transferred because you have to get transferred from your wheelchair 
into this aisle chair that's like a little dolly with a seat that basically like half my butt can fit on. It's so small. And then they roll you down the aisle and then they then then the they transfer you from the, the dolly chair, which is called the aisle chair, into the airplane seat. So yeah, it's a process. And you have to you're the first one on the airline too. So you gotta get there like really early. So we had this all like an itinerary all scheduled out that I'd get to Detroit and then I'd get to LA, then they would be there. And so it was all emailed. So that was all worked out, you know, with the person at Detroit airport. So we get, we're, we're on our way to Detroit, get there, get the bags checked in. I'm with my dad and my caregiver. And then they go through all the details that, you know, the people they had of people with disabilities there, like disability service. And they say, okay, we're going to get you through TSA, go through that, no metal detector. They wand you. Then, of course, then they want to pat me down. So they got to pat me under my butt and you name it. They're checking everything. And then we finally get through all that. And then you got to be at the, you know, the, the terminal, like, uh, you know, early. So then we meet Delta, the Delta team. So we start introducing ourselves and then I start going through, you know, all the things, you know, how to take care of the chair and how to lift me. I brought a sling with me and then eventually, you know, it was time to go. So then here we are, the chair is right next to the aisle chair. Then we'd put the sling under me. We have one, two, three, four, five, I think five people, each one grabbed the handle and then we lifted me up and then one, two, three lifted and then lifted me down into the aisle chair. It went really smooth. It went real smooth because I had a GoPro camera on my hat. It's on my YouTube channel too. So you can see the whole transfer process. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Best Buy donated a GoPro for me to, to, to take on the trip. I just went there and said, I need a camera. I knew the supervisor, so it all worked out. And then from the aisle chair into the, you know, into the airplane seat. And then that was a smooth transfer, smooth transfer, you know, high, well, not high five, but you know, like mine high five, like, yeah, good job. Everyone. All right. You know, and then uh, it was all good. Nice communication. Hospitality was great. And then of course, on the airplane itself, I meet the, he's not the captain, but he's like the person that's under the captain, you know, he's in charge of the plane, but not the captain. So he's telling me his first time, I'm like, I haven't been on a plane since 98. He was like, oh, okay, well. So then I, we talk about, he asked me what happened. We go through that. And then someone starts to freak out. So now U.S. Marshal, or whoever's on there, are in the back. There's a commotion happening. So we had to go back to the terminal and throw this person off the plane. Wow. That's one time. So then we're, 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 we're all good now. We're heading back. It's called taxiing. And another person acts up. No. So then we had to go back. Yes, we had to go. We had to go back to the thing and take this person off the plane. So now there's two people off the plane. Now he's telling me this normally doesn't happen. Like, and I'm like, well, I'm on the plane. So that's probably why. So then I'm like, we're, we're good now. Right. So we taxi back to the runway. We're just about to take off in Atlanta, which I think that's where Delta's communication is, says that we cannot take off because there's electrical problems on the plane. What? So now we're three hours behind schedule, three hours behind schedule. And so we're back. And now, okay, so now here it is, three hours, three and a half hours. We're finally about to get down the runway and we take off to LAX. So we land in LAX and of course we're late. And I'm the last one to get off the plane. So everybody gets off the plane and then I got to get transferred from the, 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 the airplane seat to the aisle chair, the aisle chair to the power chair. And then hope that the power chair didn't get destroyed because this happens too. Power wheelchairs get destroyed in airplane flights a lot of times. They're mishandled. Wow. Oh, yeah. Lots of problems. So everything was good. So it worked. But 
remember, I'm the last person to get off the plane. So guess where my luggage is? <laughs> because if you don't make it to the to the where the luggage comes down, where people you know claim it, it goes to baggage claim. So now we have to go find Delta baggage claim. So now we're going all through LAX. We've never been in LAX. There's this long tunnel underneath LAX, one end to the other, just a huge tunnel. So we're going down this tunnel. Remember, I'm puffing my wheelchair and I got two people with me and it's way over time. Everybody's kind of a little cranky right now. So I got to keep my team team focused and happy, you know, and then uh, we, uh, we get the Delta baggage claim. One of the smart things we learn is to put a ribbon around your luggage and tie it around the handles of your luggage that you can identify. And that's how we found our luggage because we knew what ribbon we use for all the luggage. And we told them, hey, our luggage has this such and such ribbon. And we got it from like the dollar store or something like that. So that helped out. So now we have eight bags. Wow. Yeah, because Damon wanted to inspire stuff to take us, take the, the, the shark tank. But we couldn't ship it because we didn't have enough time to ship it. It wouldn't have got there in time. So we're, we're traveling with it. Eight bags, we had hats and inspired shirts. And so uh, now we need to get to the hotel. We stayed at the Ace Hotel downtown LA. I think that's what it's called. Ace? I hope that's what it's called. It's right next to the theater where Charlie Chaplin was at. So we get out where the taxi area is. Now, when we get out there, there's you can see little headlights lined up. You know, those are the taxis. So you see people that are trying to get a taxi, you know. And there's like a taxi controller that's like kind of coordinating, you know, you, you go here, you go here. There's literally people arguing, like taxi drivers arguing over, that's my customer, this is my customer, you know, that's what's going on. This is what's happening. I'm over there, I'm like, okay. I go to the guy, I'm like, uh, I need a taxi that's wheelchair accessible. And we don't have anything like that here right now. I'm like, they're like, we have a bus, but it only goes one mile. It doesn't go to the downtown LA. And I'm like, no, I need to, I need to get to LA. I need to get downtown LA to this whole, you know, and he's like, no. And I'm like, what do you, like, what do you mean? No, like I need something. So I contact the hotel. The hotel made some calls for me and they found this van that has a ramp. It's going to be a little bit. So I'm like, okay. So we're waiting. And then finally this van pulls up. Now that it's very, like, there's barely anybody at LAX. It's like a ghost town. And he's like, all you hear him say is uh, wheelchair, wheelchair. <laughs> and I was like, oh, turn my GoPro on. Let's, let's, here we go. So I'm like, uh, you looking for like Eric Thomas and yeah, wheelchair. And he's like, okay, I think that might be me. I'm hoping that's what it is. So I'm looking at the van and he opens the side door. And I'm like, where's the ramp? <laughs> he's like, oh, no, just a minute, just a minute. And then he pops open the trunk and he pulls out a portable ramp. He pulls out this metal portable ramp and then he puts it on the side of the van. And he's like, yeah, yeah, come on in, come on, come on in. And I'm like, where's the tie downs? Where am I gonna, where am I even gonna go? There's a driver's seat, a passenger seat and a bucket or a bench seat. Where am I gonna go? Oh no, just go in, go in. Is there tie downs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. So I get in this van. I don't even know how I fit, but it's all on YouTube. It's all recorded. And then... So I finally get in. I have no idea how I got in. I've said before, I think like my body morphed where I just like turned this like liquid or something and then like turn and then I came back. Like I just don't, I have no idea. So I'm in this van. Now the guy's like, how many people are with you? I'm like two people. How many bags? Eight bags, eight bags. <laughs> you should have seen his eyes when he said that. Oh, and he had his lunch in the passenger side, a little cooler. So it's, so now my stepdad, or my, my dad and my caregiver were in the van. The eight bags are loaded. You feel the van just weighted down. Me, with me in the chair, I'm like 620 pounds. 
And then he's got his lunch, which is probably what, 20, I don't know, big lunch going on in that cooler. So, <laughs> okay. so then I, 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 I was smart. I printed out the instructions. So not just re- relying on electronic or, you know, like technology, but I told them where we were going. Then I was like, okay, I'm going to pay attention because I know the route. Let's study the route from LAX, making sure you didn't take me off the course. You know, you don't know, you know, like, yeah, you don't know. So then we, we head off. And you can hear on the expressway the van just, <laughs> you know, hitting this because <laughs> it's, it's over full. I mean, it's it's full. So we get the we get to the hotel and unload, and the hotel was accessible. And they were just like the the person at the desk was like, oh my gosh. So then of course we tell the story, you know, the about it and stuff. But uh, it was amazing that there was a wheelchair accessible transportation right at a busy airport like LAX. Now. It won't, and you'll hear on the video when we're in there, my dad says, why wasn't there any wheelchair transportation? There's so many cabs. He was like, there's no money in it. Yeah. Slow demand. It, you see how long it took us? It took 25 minutes to get you in this in this van. There's no money. They would have lost money. Unlike but if it was accessible, I could have got in in five minutes because of left. But it's dead. It's not. But, you you know, so that was a big, big eye opener. And then, um, so I stayed at the hotel that... Damon John's party was at. That way I didn't have any challenges to try to, I stayed at the actual hotel because he was getting on the cover of Inc. Magazine and it was on the second floor of that hotel. That's how I chose that hotel too. And then the next day after that, which that was a Monday. So Sunday we got to the hotel, Monday was the party. And then Tuesday was going to Shark Tank. And that's where we got an actual transportation service. But you're talking about these things cost 120, you know, $150 for, for one one ride. Yeah. You know, not a taxi. This is a it's a, a wheelchair van transportation service, but shoot, I spent like 125, 150 bucks. So there is money in it. Yeah. <laughs> Exploited. More than that. I mean, just to go there. And was it fun? Oh, it was amazing. It's amazing. The hospitality was over the top. There was the experience of that. It's amazing. Amazing experience over in Culver City at Sony Studios. And driving through Sony studios with my chair and watching these, like they're either like writers or actors and they're on their like little bicycles. Like it was like the Muppet movie. Remember the old Muppet movie back in the, what was it? Like 78 or 79, the original Muppet movie when they want to go to Hollywood. Yeah. It was like that. They were just like driving around little umbrellas and golf carts everywhere. And I was like, wow. So, and uh, driving downtown LA with the wheelchair, there were curb cuts, you know, People were, were, were nice. Like, you know, there were, I didn't have too many challenges. My challenges was air flight and transportation at the most part. Before you know it, I had this amazing experience. And I'm coming back to Flint on Wednesday, you know, back. Oh, but when we got to LAX, I forgot to tell you, because when we got there, the people that were helping me this time, four or five different people, they were in a rush. And plus each one spoke different language. So they were trying to communicate with amongst each other, but not even understanding each other. Then I'm trying to communicate with them. And it's it was like, yeah, four or five different languages. We were just like exhausted. So I basically just got like traveled. Like I've said before, like I felt like uh, gym clothes in a duffel bag. Wow. You know, it's like I'm just being carried everywhere. But we made it. Amazing experience. Uh, I'm glad I was able to record it because I want to be able to show people that it's possible. Oh, yeah. So if you have a dream or a goal that you want to achieve of traveling, but you may have a disability. It's possible. You can do it, but it's work. You have to do some work. That's just the way it is. You got to do planning. 
that's just the way it is, you know, or you just don't want to go. Right. So, you know, that's how dreams and goals are. You want something bad enough where it's life changing, you'll do it. If it's not, you just kind of sit on it. Life changing, you'll do it. You'll do whatever. You'll be like, hey, you'll talk about it. You know, you know, I'm going to be going on a trip soon. You know, I'm gonna, you know, you'll, it, it will be part of your life, part of your vocab party, like your food group. You eat and you will speak your drink because it's going to change your life. Yeah, hopefully. I think a lot of people get stopped with fears and they don't go for their dreams. That's why they have to listen to podcasts like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Because <laughs> that's what it does. We're raising awareness. Right now, we're empowering people to not have that fear. But to plan, it's okay to have a fear, but plan, you know, don't just like jump off and do it because, you know, I mean, you can, it'll be exciting if you want to do some spontaneous type travel, but you be be prepared for the challenges. But this is showing you that it is possible. And to say, look, you know, if you're listening, don't hold back. If it's safe, then then do it. Don't wait around. Don't wait around for the right right time. Or, you know, because you never know when you do it, that probably is the right time. There's a lot of times that we talk ourselves out of things. Well, I'll wait till I get this. or I'll wait till I, there's no perfect moment to do things. It's just to do it. Yeah. They say like people who want to have children, oh, I'm going to wait until I have this amount of money or whatever. And then, you know, it's too late. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was saying that. That was exactly what I was thinking. When I was thinking, when I was saying that exact what I just said was about people that want to have children. Because that's what it is. It's the set. It's like, I got to have everything so perfect and ready instead of which I've heard from other people. You just, you have the child and then you make it work. Right. You figure it out. Right. Yeah. You figure it out and it does work. I w- I'm the, I'm one of those people who waited and I waited and waited and waited and then I couldn't have them. <laughs> I, was, I waited too long. Wow. And so you share that story with other people. Yeah. No regrets, but you know, I did try. <laughs> I, I'm one of those people that said those same things and I still don't have kids and I'm 43, but I said that same stuff too. Like, well, I want to make sure that I have enough money to support the child, all these things. But then I started, started seeing people that didn't, but they had them. And I was like, why would you? And then I started talking to them and they were like, we just made it work. We just figured it out. Like, even though we're broke, we did it because we provide love in you know, nurturing all that stuff for the child because that's what it needed. You know, that's what the, so yeah. And it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about that trying to, and that's the same with launching a business, waiting for that perfect, perfect everything. I got to have this. I got to have this. And you're like, I got to have this. This has got to be here. And then I'll, okay, then I'll do it. Right. After I have all this. And when did you launch yours? I launched mine in November, 2011. This is after many other attempts to work in the business field or start businesses. So I, I had a record company or a record, but that didn't work out. It was very little. I, this was after my injury. Th- these are things after my injury. And then I wrote for an entertainment newspaper. I write by my, vo- by my voice using Dragon Naturally Speaking for about five years. Then that went away. Then I did some mentoring for a little bit. Then that went away. That was funded by a grant. And then I opened up an internet radio station. Then the internet radio was in trouble because of royalty rates. And so we went, I went to Washington, D.C., and we introduced the Internet Radio Equality Act. And actually, we saved Internet Radio for a while, but then there were some loopholes like years later. And then the Internet, the blanket license and everything, it was hard to stay, stay in business. You know, so I shut down my Internet radio station. Along a lot of other people I had to shut down the Internet radio at that time. And then I just went back to that childhood dream, a T-shirt business or a t- you know, T-shirt, making T-shirts that meaningful messages and 
then that's where easy awareness by design, you know, started happening. You know, I through the services that I have supportive employment. They have a contract with Goodwill, which is called job coaching. I met with Cheryl and she's in charge of the job coaches. And then we just started developing a business plan, started writing it and letting people read it, giving feedback and rewriting it, rewriting it, rewriting it, rewriting it. And then eventually my friend Ziad, that also is the president of B-Man Foundation, plus many other businesses that he owns, instead of being just an investment, he wanted to be a business partner. And the business partner was like utilizing his resources, like attorney, CPA, you know, all that, which do you need that when you open a business? Yeah, you do. Yeah. And so that's how that was. And before you know it, the business is opening November of 2011. We got incorporated July, July of 2011. And then the business opened November 2011. So yeah, it was a... Here we are. That yeah, dream achieved. Dream achieved. It was beautiful. And you're still doing it. You're still working. Yeah. With the when pandemic started, I left my house and we're doing my caregiver temporarily. Didn't know how long it was going to be. And you're talking about minimalizing. I left with five pairs of pants, two shirts, one pair of shoes, one hat. Wow. Yeah. Couple pillows. You're talking like my life was like in this like ottoman. That was it. Everything that I owned over there was in like this 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 uh this ottoman, you know, like a, almost like a treasure chest kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So very minimal. Took exactly what to survive on. That was mid-March. We shut the business down and my other caregivers stayed home so that they could be safe with their families and until we figure this all out. And then I came home July 26. And then I had to come back home, bring bring back what I, you know, had over there, like kind of start the, the house back up, I guess you would say, and then getting all the caregivers back on, on schedule. And then two didn't even come back. And then another thing that happened that I was not expecting is I, I relapsed on my bone infection for the third time. So on July 28th, my caregiver went to wash my backside. I had a big hole in my body. Oh. Yeah, I just spent like 800 and some days in bed rest in the last three years. Total, total in the last three years. March 1st, 2018 was the start of the bone infection. The hole opened up and that was 640 days. And what causes that? No idea. Oh, wow. It's when your body has an infection inside it, especially the bone, it burrows a hole. So it's an exit wound to keep you alive. Your body goes, you know, instead of a, but because I have a spinal cord injury, it was treated as a pressure wound at first for a while, for like a year and a half. Yeah. So I had to get a second opinion. Dr. Bruce Rubin, as soon as he looked at me the next day after I left the wound care center, because they were like, we've done everything we can do, you know, surgery and this and this is next. I'm like, shh. Uh-uh. So I went and got a second opinion. And when he looked at it, he said, oh, that's not a pressure wound. That's a bone infection. Then he described it. And then he did cultures, you know, skin cultures and all that stuff and blood, blood, uh, blood draws and everything. And then uh, next thing you know, a week later, I'm on two antibiotics twice or, or two times once in the morning or twice, two in the morning, two at night. <laughs> Very strong antibiotics for the body and for the bone for nine weeks. And then we thought I was healed. And then I was back up in my chair for three weeks and then another spot opened up and then that opened up again. So it moved, it traveled from one spot, one spot to the other. And then I was on antibiotics for another eight weeks. And then I was all better by the end of December of 2019. And then I was like, okay, I'm up, I'm up mobile. 2020 is going to be the year to be mobile. And I was good for, from the beginning of 2020. And then July 28th is when it, I relapsed for the third time. Wow. Yeah. So were you living in your own apartment? I have a house. I rent a house. But I, I've transitioned though. When I went from my mom and stepdad's house 
I said, I want to move out into my own place again. I'm independent. How can that happen? So you put a plan together. Eric's moving out plan. Whatever, get your circle of support together and figure out how to make it happen. By 2000, I was moving out into my own apartment. So I was there in my own apartment until June of 2012. And I moved into this house. And then I've been here ever since. And now I'm looking for a house to purchase. I have a mortgage agent. I have a real estate agent. I've been saving money. Oh, great. I do have a We, we Live to Inspire campaign going. So I have like gift letters so that family members or friends that want to help. There's like these little letters called gift letters that basically says that they will contribute you know, to whenever you get the house. Nice. Yeah. So that's the that's the campaign that I'm doing now. I just fundraised for 30 months. I got a van. So I just got a new wheelchair accessible van. Oh, great. Yeah. December 20th, 2019. I was picking up my new wheelchair van. Ah, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I fundraised. It took 30 months. Damon John joined the team August of 2018. So I started fundraising in July, July of 2017. And then I had this campaign, we drive to inspire. And then I just said, look, can you look this over? Because I raised about 20,000. And I didn't know how I can make, you know, raise more, raise to get the goal. The goal is like 80,000 or something like that. Or it was somewhere around there. Yeah, the vans are expensive. And then he said, you know, can you jump on the phone tomorrow? So I was like, yeah. So I did. And then he said, I'm going to put a couple of people on my team to help you out. So that's how I started working with Sherry and George. Then George and I, we were on the internet, you know, on the phone for the whole time, you know, talking to people that uh, the wheelchair companies that own bands, talking to the lot companies, trying to get sponsors, you know, you name it. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, 30 months, we did it. And, and then we got to celebrate, you know, it's, they weren't able to make it there in person, but they were able to FaceTime. And I got a video of that on my YouTube channel. That's great. It was really great. Yeah. And now you could do overland travel after COVID. Yes. I would love to do that. Like, I would like to just travel. You know, I've been asked the question, like, where would you want to travel to outside of the U.S.? And I don't really ever, like, think about, like, I want to go there. I want to go there. I don't have, like, a destination. I just want to be able to go visit places. Just go, you know? Like, just hoping that they're accessible. You know what I mean? Like, I know people go to Europe and... But I also, when people go there, they, they tell me, they report back to me. They're like, man, you're not going to like this cobblestone. It is going to not be good for you. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they tell me about all the places. They're like, I just don't know, Eric. Like, you could go to this place and this place. So I got people when they travel, they look out for me and give me like an accessible report, which is good because it's, you know, it's good to know. But I don't, I would just, I just want to just, you know, be able to just kind of just get out and just venture out and maybe like when I do that, I can set up like speaking engagements or something. I mean, I don't have a book or anything yet, but definitely maybe thinking about working on it or I have like an outline and I know like people when they have their books and they go speak on their books, you know? Right. Yeah. You could write a memoir and then you could travel in your van and, you know, drive to different speaking engagements. In the U.S. for sure. Yeah. 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 When we went to LA, we called it Journey to Inspire the West. Nice. So then my New York one would be Journey to Inspire the East and Miami one would be Journey to Inspire the South. And I have that all planned out. Like it's all, that's all documented, like written out, you know, all the Journey to Inspire. I have all the domains too. So I already got all the domains. Ah, good. Good for you. I did. I got all the domains because I knew I was forecasting. I was like, okay, this is what I wanted. Like, so yeah, I do have that for the US. Like I want to go to New York. I want to go to Miami. I want to see what Texas is about. I'd like to go back to LA again. That was awesome. I don't have anywhere like 
further than Michigan. Canada. Yeah, Vancouver. I heard that place is really accessible too. I'm sure it is. It's really a beautiful city. And so is uh, Montreal is really beautiful. But I don't know that might they might have cobblestone there. Cobblestone does not seem like a good idea for you. Like I heard like a person that's wearing high heels. It was hard. I had a rolly bag the last time I went, which was really stupid because I'd been there before and I knew it was cobblestone. Oh, yeah. If you have a rolly bag, that's like wheelchair tires. Yeah. And you know, that shock. So you'd be like bouncing. That's not good on your bottom. You know, someone that uses a wheelchair, if you're getting that, that pressure, that shock on their bottom, that can cause pressure wounds. Mm-mm. Skin breakdown. Ooh. And the spine. I didn't even think about that. How much probably, how much wear and tear is on my sponges and my spine. Oh yeah, I'm sure my, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's shocks on wheelchairs, but it's not like a car. Right. You're like shaking all over. Yeah, when you're on grass, like trying to drive, you can hear everything shaking on your chair. It's not like all grass. It's just like one level. You have like a dip or somebody probably drove a car through. You're like, then you hit that real pothole in the grass. Then you start bouncing around into the chair, almost bouncing out of the chair. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, And I wouldn't have thought of that because grass is soft. Yeah. I liked what you said about the minimalism. Did you want to say anything else about it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know we talked about right before we started this. I'd say probably like the last three, four years, five years, I just started like looking at everything going like, I just have some stuff. Like I go to events and like conventions and I get a bag and I fill the bag with swag and all these brochures. And I'm like, I'm going to go through that eventually. And then it goes on a shelf. Then I go to another one and that stacks on top of that one. And then stuff just stacks on top of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you take a day that you're going to downsize. And then you're like, I don't want to really throw this away. So you move that stuff to another location, to another stuff. Like you move stuff to stuff. Yeah. And sometimes stuff gets separated into two piles. And now you have two piles of stuff you haven't even touched in months, years. So it's like, okay. Oh, yeah. How do you do this? So I basically went into the kitchen. Oh, and I had my caregiver open up every cupboard, everything. And just pull everything and put it in the living room. Then I looked at it and I was like, do I need that? Do I really need that? Does that really help my life. And I, and then I put it in the pile that said, yes. And then of course the caregiver, you know, cause they cook and stuff. It was like, yeah, I use that pan. I use that. I'm like, how many, when's the last time I used this pan? It's like, I don't think we've used that pan in like four years. That can go put that in over there, you know? And so basically like all this and all this plastic Tupperware stuff, you know, when Pete, when you take food home and then you got like butter containers of like food that you took home from someplace or somebody gave you food. I had so much containers. I was like, what in the heck? So we just stacked it all up. I had a coffee table right there and I just started putting everything. I mean, I put my Ninja blender because I didn't use it. Yeah. I haven't used it. So I'm like, I'm just going to put it there. So then when my caregivers came in, I was like, hey, if you like anything, take it. Even dishes, dishes, glasses, you name it. Little by little stuff was getting picked up. You know, there's what, five, six people throughout the week and stuff. So yeah, they were taking it. So I was like, yeah, just take that, take that. So it started with the kitchen and then I did the bedroom. And I closed. So instead of donating it someplace, I let them. They had people that they could donate it to and stuff like that, or they could use it. And then I did the dining room and then the bathroom. And then, of course, the last part was the living room because everything was in the living room. But it had to be visible. You had to make things visible, not tucked away. More that it's visible, the better you'll minimize things because it's more it's visible. See, when you put it in your closet and put it in a drawer, it's tucked away. You don't see it, so it doesn't affect you. But when you see it, Go ahead, put the stuff on your dining room table. 
see how quick that you get rid of it. See how quick you donate stuff you don't use. And it's like the first phase, okay, that was first phase. Then you do it again a little bit later. And you're now you're doing your second phase. And some of the stuff that you held on to, you come back to it and you're like, ah, nope, it's gone. You know, because it's hard to let go of some things because I don't know, do we hold on things because of memories, because of a person? There's a lot of things that we attach, but remember it's the object. That person is not there. It, you know, that person's within you if they're not around anymore. So it's not the object. The object is an object. So there's certain stuff. There's memorabilia stuff, you know, and you can make that, make your memorabilia tubs. But there's a lot of stuff that a lot of people have that they have not used in years, years. And that's where it's time to, and you know what? Once it's gone, you forgot. You could ask me what was in my kitchen. I'm not even able to tell you right now. I told you Tupperware and a Ninja. I knew a Ninja blender dishes and some pants, but that's not all. There was a lot, a lot of stuff. You know, I'm talking everything from the wall, stuff on the wall, little knickknacks and pettywags, whatever that is, you know, any of that stuff, go, take it, take it. It's all good. Because you know what else? If I got to leave here and move to another place, I want, I don't want all this stuff to travel with me. I want it to be a very simple type of minimal, minimized move. It's possible. I want it to where we could say, look, you're moving today. No problem. I can do that. I got tubs. I know exactly where it is. Let's do it. Pack it up. Let's roll. You know, so it is just, it's, it's out of, and it's being used. Why hold on to stuff that's not being used? Give it to someone that's going to, uh, to use it and appreciate it. Like, yeah, like mine's sitting on the shelf for two years. I haven't used it. Here, take it. I just put stuff on the coffee table today. I went through one drawer and there's already stuff on there. I'm like, I'm like, I don't use this. I don't use, when's the last time I use this? So that's exactly what I say. When's the last time I use this? I mean, it was like six months. Let it go. Let it go. It's not. It. And trying to manage all that, that's just more energy and time on your mind. That's this mental weight that you're putting on you. Yeah, totally. So what would you tell your younger self that you know now that you didn't know then? I've been asked this question many times and also in another way of like, what would you do differently if you could travel back into the past? Nothing, nothing. I'd, I'd let it go. I'd go right back outside, get shot again, go through whatever it is because all the things that's happened from it, all the help that people, the life that's changed, the relationships that I've built, the really amazing people that I have came across now that are my friends or their family or now, or, you know, all of that babies that's been born. It's no, you get, you just, if that's how it is, if that's what's the way it is, you don't want to go back and alternate, alter anything because you could change just for, it, it's not a, it's not about you. It's about other people and just got to do it. You just got to do exactly what it is. Because if I go back and I tell my younger self, oh yeah, don't forget that. Or, you know, you're going to learn this or no, because everything that I am right now is what I've learned in the 43 years. I succeed, I fail, I grow. Succeed, you know, you fail to grow. You got face the music, feel it. Feel what it's like to fail in this world and claim it. I messed up. I didn't do it right. I will do better. Claim it. Stop running from it. Stop masking it. Just, just. Yes, it's, I did it. I screwed up or I didn't, I didn't do it good enough or I should have worked harder when I decided not to, or I waited too late, you know, for the last minute for it to get done. You know, I am responsible for what the outcome is, you know? So I wouldn't say anything. I would just say, see you there. See you when you make it up to me. See you when you get here. <laughs> what do you mean, Eric? Can't you tell me anything? Is there anything? Yep. 
nope, I'll just see you when you get here. That's all I can say to you. I like that. That's completely unique. I like it. Um, Eric, where can people find you? InspireShirt.com. I think the YouTube is EPT77, but I know that if you... I'll link to it. Um, and then like all social medias, Eric Patrick Thomas for everything except Twitter. It's Eric P. Thomas. Well, thank you. I really and I really enjoyed the interview. It was really it was really inspiring. Oh yeah, that was awesome. I love. Uh, it's been great. It's been a it's been a very interesting journey with the the goal that I set. You know, for the twenty three interviews before the end of the year, that was to celebrate life after injury for twenty three years. So I just celebrated September twentieth, living life after injury for twenty three years. And and you celebrated it by doing twenty three podcasts. Yeah. Yep. I made a goal. Well. 23 different interviews. So it doesn't have to be a podcast. It could be a radio, it could be a podcast, video cast. It could be an article. It was, you know, just interviewed by 23 different people. Thanks for having me too. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts is also highly appreciated. You can find me and more information about AUA on anunknownadventure.com. I do try to leave extensive show notes here under the podcast, but also on my website. The notes include links to everything that's been talked about today. However, my main goal is to give back to the community, to you. So if you have any questions, please DM me on Instagram at anunknownadventure. And whether you do or don't, Following me there would light up my entire week. So remember to keep dreaming big because your adventure awaits and I can't wait to hear about it. Uh, uh, uh.